we can all share information. We can all help each other. We can refer business to each other. When we have the opportunity to all be in these positions to help others, women can make more money. And at the end of the day, when we have more money, we can make decisions and we can make a much bigger impact in this world when we have the power and we have the money to do these things. So let's all help each other and let's all make a lot of money and make impact. I'm Tamina, and I'm extending a heartfelt invitation to you as we join forces in reclaiming economic power for women in a world that is often structured against us. We'll dive into the minds of accomplished female leaders, investors, and entrepreneurs to equip you with the confidence and knowledge to build wealth for yourself and other women. So buckle up, get ready to learn, and be inspired to take action. Hello, hello, everyone. I am so excited about this week's guest. She and I connected on LinkedIn a few months ago, and I just loved her energy from the get-go. She's someone that I truly look up to, not just as a business owner, but as someone who always shows up as her most authentic self and is not afraid to be vulnerable in doing so. I'm talking about the one and only Stephanie Carton. An entrepreneur at heart, Stephanie walked away from her corporate career in 2012 to follow her passion to launch Socialfly, an award-winning social-first digital and influencer marketing agency based in New York City. Socialfly has been named to Inc. 5000's fastest-growing private companies two years in a row and has worked with over 200 well-known brands, including Girl Scouts, WeTV, Con Air, Nest Fragrances, 20th Century Fox, and Univision. Stephanie is also the co-host of the Entrepreneurista podcast and the co-founder of Entrepreneurista, a media company and membership community, the Entrepreneurista League, which I'm a proud member of as of recently. <laughs> and the Entrepreneurista League is dedicated to serving women founders and leaders. Stephanie is also the co-author of Like, Love, Follow the Entrepreneurista's Guide to Using Social Media to Grow Your Business. Stephanie also co-founded Market, a marketplace for parents to buy and sell baby and kids' new and gently used items, as well as Pearl Influential Capital, a platform that gives influential investors the opportunity to invest in the brands they are helping to build. Stephanie shared her knowledge and expertise in Bloomberg, Forbes, Entrepreneur, Refinery29, and Inc., She's also a recipient of the Smart CEO Bravo Award, which recognizes the top female CEOs in New York, and a Stevie Award for Women-Run Workplace of the Year. She considers her most important role as mom to her miracle daughter, Molly Hope. Stephanie is an advocate for women going through complicated infertility and pregnancies. Her story has been featured on the Today Show, and Stephanie encourages others to always reach out if they are looking for support. What an intro, Stephanie. Thank you so, so much for being here. I'm so looking forward to our conversation today. Oh, thank you for having me. Excited to chat with you this morning. Amazing. Well, look, we have so much ground to cover. So let's just dive in, Steph. You and your co-founder, Courtney, have founded two very successful multiple seven-figure businesses. I'm just so, so curious to learn from you what distinguishes a five-figure business owner from a six-figure and a seven-figure business owner. Like, how do founders and business owners have to evolve over time in order to set themselves up for success when scaling a company? I think it comes down to making that decision that you do want to set your business up to scale. 
And it's really dependent on what you ultimately want to do for the business that you have. It doesn't mean that just because you start a business, you have to be running a seven, eight, nine figure business. You can be running a five figure business, a six figure business, and have a really incredible business where you're making money, where you're fulfilled in your life. So I want to start by sharing that. You don't have to be running a multi-million dollar business to be successful. It all depends on how you define success and what's important to you for your life and for your business. Now, if you do want to set up your business to scale, I would say what really differentiates a five and six figure business from a seven figure business is one, like I said, making that decision that you do want to build a scalable company. And then two, making sure that you have the right resources in place and the right community support, potentially a coach. Courtney and I always invested in a really wonderful business coach that helped us because what you'll find is as you're growing your business, you don't know what you don't know and you learn a lot along the way. So being able to have community support, have coaching support and have those resources to really help you get there and help take your business to that next level or the next step is really important. Yeah, I love that. And thank you for also starting off by saying, hey, at the end of the day, success is how you define success. There might be people out there listening who are actually quite happy in their corporate careers, right? And they just want to maybe find a creative outlet outside of their core job and maybe start something small on the side that provides a supplemental income, which is fantastic, but they might still be able to thrive in corporate for many years to come. And I think sometimes it's so easy to kind of default to thinking, okay, I want to build the next big thing. I want to take a company public when in reality, that does not necessarily suit everyone. So thank you for making that distinction. But I also loved hearing from you that it's all about investing in yourself over time. Mm -hmm. I think that is something that we've heard quite a bit on this podcast When I interview other very successful business owners and entrepreneurs, they're always like, in order for you to really make the big moves, you have to take some intelligent risks along the way. And that might look like investing in a probably not so cheap business coach who can help you expand your horizon, gain different perspective and kind of hold up a mirror in front of you. So I love that that you brought that up because... I think I recently had a conversation with someone, I think it was Elizabeth Galbett, the co-founder of SoGal Ventures. She was saying that, at least in the United States, obviously for our listeners from abroad, it's a little bit different, but we're dropping, let's say, 200 grand on an MBA from a prestigious university. And that might be a great investment, but imagine if you only took a fraction of that money and invested that in yourself and Mm -hmm. starting your own business. I think that's a little bit of a you know skewed perception that we have there because obviously when you're investing, let's say, in an MBA from like Stanford or Harvard or, or Wharton, you know, you're associating that prestige with that investment that you're going to get and that network. And when it's just yourself, you are the only person that you can bet on. So wish that there were more people out there who would take that that intelligent risk. I was just having this conversation with someone yesterday, actually, about college and investing in college. And I'm like, I think there's going to be a lot that's going to change over the next 10, 15 years or so. My daughter now is four and a half and I've started a college fund for her. And I'm like, that college fund might be used for her to start a business instead of (laughs) going to college. So I'm on the same page as you. Yeah, I love that. I, I definitely agree with you. I do think that the world of 
higher education as we know it will will definitely change in, in, in years to come because quite honestly, it also becomes increasingly less accessible to a lot of people. So college might not be the best path forward anymore for everyone. And there's amazing companies, especially in the tech world where I'm from, right, who are now hiring high school graduates if they know how to code, for example. Yep. And you don't necessarily need to have that college degree. Anyway, but I digress, Stephanie. You, you know that I'm a very, very big fan of the Entrepreneurista podcast. And something that I have noticed in many of the conversations with all the inspiring founders that you interview is that a lot of them would very frequently emphasize the importance of community. You just brought it up a few minutes ago as well. And I know that you and Courtney specifically often refer to your community as your key to success. Curious to hear from you, if you had to build your community from scratch today, let's say you didn't have over 100,000 followers on Instagram, you didn't have an email list, how would you go about building community and turning people into loyal fans and hopefully eventually customers as well? Yeah, I would actually do the exact same thing that we did several years ago. So yes, we have over 100,000 followers on our Entrepreneurs to Instagram account, but that's not where we started. We started with zero. We set up our Entrepreneurs to Instagram account when we launched our podcast, and we started by creating really great content. So I'll take you back to how we actually started our podcast. So as you had mentioned in the intro, myself and Courtney started our first business, Socialfly, which is a full-service social media marketing and influencer agency. We started 11-plus years ago now on the side of our full-time job. So we were both working in the corporate world, and we were working nights and weekends, taking on these client projects on the side until we said, all right, this is going to be a real business. We either have to go all in and do it or not do it at all because it just became too much to be working full time and then working every night, every single weekend. We wanted to grow this scalable business, which we ended up doing. We knew we had to focus full time. So Cordy and I quit our corporate jobs on the same day, which was May 4th of 2012, and never looked back and really grew and scaled our agency business organically, doing great work for our clients, being referred to new clients, always practicing what we preach with our own marketing strategies for our agency business. So we were quickly number one on Google for social media agency and influencer agency and winning awards for our work. And what started to happen was because of the quick growth and success of Socialfly, so many women founders started reaching out to us, wanting to go out to coffee and pick our brain and just wanting to hear how we did it. And Courtney and I, we are the type of people we like to help absolutely everyone. We very quickly realized it was physically impossible to go out to coffee with everyone that was reaching out to us and still run our marketing agency. So we started thinking, you know, how can we help as many women as possible? And our idea to help everyone was starting our podcast so we could share all of these stories really at scale with as many women as possible and people as possible. So we started Entrepreneurista by launching our podcast and then we created content around the podcast, pulling clips from the podcast, posting them on Instagram and LinkedIn, featuring the new episode every week. And we started growing our email list that way. So that's actually how we started with content. And I would do the same thing today because if you want to build a real authentic community around a specific topic, you really have to create conversation and content around that topic and pull people in. But then the next step is building real authentic relationships with people based on the content that you're creating. So for the two of us, how we met and connected on LinkedIn, I, th I can't remember it was on one of our posts or someone else's post, we connected. It's about like taking that relationship 
based on the content you're sharing when you're meeting real people, real humans on the internet, on social media, and then starting that next conversation with them to actually love that. And isn't it funny sometimes our internet friends, some of whom we've known for years but never met, can end up being our biggest cheerleaders, even over our own like family and like friends from like high school or college. And so I totally agree. It's just so wonderful when you build some something that is actually serving other people. To my point earlier, you always show up as your most authentic self. And I think that has become a big success factor why you've been able to grow all of these businesses because at the end of the day women were able to relate to you and you were not a gatekeeper you and Courtney could have also just said to all of these women oh we're kind of like doing our own thing we're busy with our our marketing agency and not end up serving hundreds of thousands of of, of women all over the globe so that notion of also paying it forward mm-hmm. and building together with your community and growing with them and evolving, I think that is a big part of this journey of entrepreneurs, obviously social fly and everything else that you've built over the past couple of years. Thank you. And I will say, Courtney and I had one of the most incredible mentors who is now one of our like closest friends at, in business to this day. And she comes and speaks to our entrepreneurs community as well. Her name is Carrie Kirpin. And Courtney and I were introduced to Carrie through, I actually spoke at an event and one of the other speakers, we chatted after the event and he's like, oh, I need to introduce you to Carrie. She has a similar business. She's a few years ahead of you. Like I know she'll love uh, meeting the two of you. And this is like super early days. This is going back. I've lost track of time now after 2020, but this is going back probably close to 10 years, nine, 10 years ago now. So Carrie agreed to meet with myself and Courtney. We went to her office and we had heard about her company and she was like, I'm going to teach you guys what you need to know. You can learn from me. And then she started referring business to us. So business that, because she was farther ahead of us in business. So she would refer business to us that wasn't the right fit for her. And those clients became some of our biggest clients. And Courtney and I have always been naturally like this, wanting to help others. But we saw early on these champions and other women who wanted to support and mentor myself and Courtney and how impactful that was to us. And then us really being able to pay it forward to help everyone, because I truly believe there is enough business to go around for everyone. In the U.S. alone, there's over 13 million women-owned businesses in the U.S. alone. There's plenty of business opportunity for everyone. So if we could all share information, we can all help each other. We can refer business to each other. When we have the opportunity to all be in these positions to help others, women can make more money. And at the end of the day, When we have more money, we can make decisions and we can make a much bigger impact in this world when we have the power and we have the money to do these things. So let's all help each other and let's all make a lot of money and make impact. Yes, I love that so, so much. Get more money into the hands of women, especially female founders and business owners. That's a great segue to my next question, actually, Stephanie, because I think, unfortunately, there's still women out there. And arguably, it's probably older generations of women who are now maybe close to traditional retirement age, who oftentimes were the first and likely only woman in a room. And they had to put up with a lot of BS, a lot of microaggressions, a lot of discrimination. So what I've heard from some of my other female friends and mentors who were maybe a couple years older than me, they were having trouble connecting with with those women who were another 10, 20 years ahead of them. 
because there oftentimes was that notion, hey, I've gone through so much BS, so now I need you to work really hard to follow in my footsteps. But that's something that I actually see changing among mm. millennials, Gen Z, where we're more likely to actually support one another. And obviously, systemic discrimination is not just going to go away overnight, but we also cannot just sit here and wait for, you know, all the white men to wake up one day and be like, oh, we've been kind of not so great to a lot of women out there, right? So let's make some changes. I think we have to take matters into our own hand. And women coming together in support of one another is serving us so much more as opposed to pop culture and society always trying to pit women against each other. Mm -hmm. I don't think that is serving any of us. It's only going to reinforce the patriarchy. And so I, I love that you brought up the the story with Carrie and how she's been mentoring and coaching you and even referring business to you because, yeah, you're 100% right. There are so many businesses out there. It's the big, big pie and we all deserve to have a small piece of it. So absolutely. Yes. So, yes. Great segue to my next question, as I was mentioning, because what I love about the businesses that you have built is not just the financial success of paper. We already talked about that earlier but also the fact that you actually truly embody women supporting women. And obviously you do a lot in that space, but I'd argue that it all culminates in your annual Entrepreneurista 100 Awards, creating and holding space to not only recognize, but also to create those moments of visibility, I think is so, so important, especially for female founders and women leaders. So would love for you to share with us more about how the Entrepreneurista 100 Awards came about and all the amazing impact it has had on women business owners within the Entrepreneurista community. I'm so glad you brought this up because celebrating and supporting women founders is so important. Like we are all working so hard and it can be like these days of like nonstop go, 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 go and highs and lows over the course of like an hour. And Sometimes it can be hard to just stop and celebrate all we're accomplishing in our businesses. And for Courtney and myself, as we were growing Socialfly, we started applying to and winning awards for Socialfly. And we saw the impact that winning these awards, it gave us credibility. It helped build our reputation as an award-winning business. It helped building our personal brand and our business brand. And as we were setting out to build more and do more with Entrepreneurista, we said we want to create an awards platform for women founders because really there were not a lot of award programs out there for women founders, specifically for a lot of women founders who were early in their business. Because with a lot of these other award programs, you have to be doing like multiple seven plus figures in your business to even apply or even potentially win. And there's so many women who are building these incredible businesses that really deserve to be celebrated. And why are we waiting to celebrate these businesses until they've already like, quote unquote, made it right and scaled these huge businesses? There are women who are making an impact much earlier in their business. And we wanted to give them a platform and a place to be seen and also nonprofits as well. So we set out to create the Entrepreneurista 100 Awards and it's presented by Chase Inc. They're an incredible partner of ours and they are 
so focused on supporting women founders and leaders and giving women these tools and financial tools to be successful as they're growing and scaling their businesses. We select 100 winners and all of the winners get featured across entrepreneurisa.com, other media outlets as well other placements through social media. And of course, that badge that says that you won an Entrepreneurist at 100 award. And recently, actually, a winner from last year reached out to me on LinkedIn, actually. And she said to me, you do not know how much winning this award meant to me. I was able to get investors in my business after they saw that I won this award because it built that credibility with them that I deserve to, you know, be featured and, and get this investment. So, so many great things happened from the awards over the past year. And this is year two now. Amazing. And it just goes to show how it, it came from a place of let's celebrate each other. Let's provide those key moments of visibility. And it has grown ever since. And for those people listening who might not have a business yet or just getting started, make sure that if you don't apply this year, maybe next year, because this is now happening every single year. Yeah. So thank you for also like sharing that example of, of your community member who was reaching out to you on, on LinkedIn, sharing, hey, I've been able to get a seat at the table just mm -hmm. because of that added credibility. I think Oh, that's just so, so powerful. And I can't even imagine what it must be feeling like for you on the recipient's end of that message. It must be so incredibly rewarding and must be such a like a moment like, wow, this is actually something that friend and business partner Courtney and I came up with. And it's now actually having a real life impact on other women. So that's just oh, so, so fantastic. I get so excited every single day when I see the connections that are happening in our community, when I hear the wins that are happening from our members connecting and doing business together, I'm like getting emotional even talking about this. And I feel like I cry like happy tears multiple times a week. For our Entrepreneurista team, we have a Slack channel about member wins and member love because anytime anyone on our team sees all of these great things that are happening, we post it in our Slack channel and we celebrate our members internally every single day because we get so excited. We know how much work goes on behind the scenes building everything we've built behind the scenes with Entrepreneurista. By no means is it easy for any business to run a company. We're so blessed that like we're running a mission-driven business where everything we do every single day has such tremendous impact. So even when we're having late nights and working really hard, getting all of these emails ready to go and building everything with the awards, we have our event that's coming up next May, actually. We're about to announce it. So maybe this might be one of the first places we're Announcing it, depending on when this episode comes out, we're doing our Big Founders Weekend event May 3rd through 5th, 2024 at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando. So we're planning all of this stuff behind the scenes and it's so much, so much work behind the scenes for our team. But then we see, we know the impact and we see all of these incredible things happening with our members every day. And it is like the best thing ever. Yeah, I'm getting chills as you talk about because having received some of these messages, obviously in a different context, but when there is Women reaching out to me sharing, hey, because of you, I opened up a brokerage account to start investing in the stock market. And this is something that we share. And that's also how we were able to initially connect with both of us kind of struggling with fertility. D there have been so many women reaching out to me over the past year, ever since I started sharing about my premature fertility decline online, start documenting my egg freezing cycles. Women reaching out to me saying, hey, I've been gassed by so many doctors and they all told me like to wait until I, like I'm age 36. And then I heard about your story. And now I actually made an appointment with a fertility specialist for next week. And then there is another woman within my community who reached out recently like saying, hey, I'm kind of bummed 
But just want to let you know, I was also diagnosed with diminished mm. ovarian reserve. And if it hadn't been for you, I probably wouldn't have found out for many, many years to come. So I think that just goes to show that, again, the power of community, the power of addressing also historically stigmatized topics mm. at the end of the day, which could be fertility, but could also be money, for example, mm -hmm. which brings me to my next question for you, Steph. Obviously, most of us have grown up in a capitalist society, so we're all conditioned to become consumers, especially as women. But unfortunately, rarely do we receive proper financial education and learn how we can actually leverage money as a tool to unlock freedom in our mm -hmm. lives. With you having been an entrepreneur for the majority of your professional life now after leaving the corporate world and having built a few freedom-based businesses, I'm interested in learning more from you about your relationship with money and how that relationship with money might have changed over time. Yes, I love this question. And I love talking about this topic because growing up, and even through college, I had no idea how to manage money, anything about money. I literally had a credit card in college and when I graduated from college and I did not understand, oh, you need to pay this off every month. You pay interest. I was taught nothing. And it's just mind boggling to me that financial education is not better I remember in elementary school learning about there's a quarter and a dollar at a dime and adding things up. They were not teaching us about how to manage money, how to balance a checkbook, what credit cards are. I don't remember a single course, class, anything growing up. So I was in for like such a rude awakening after college trying to learn all of this and feeling like, wait a second. I mean, I had signed loans for my college that my parents said, here, sign this. I had no idea. I was completely, did not know any of this information. So now being able to take charge of becoming financially independent and finding the resources to learn everything and finding people to teach me, because I'll be the first to say, I am not a money expert by any means, but what I am an expert at is finding the right people who have the resources and the right tools to be able to teach me things and to be able to help. So hopefully others can relate to feeling like I did growing up in a household where no one taught me anything about money. I never learned anything in elementary school, middle school, high school, or college. And having to find those resources later on, I really made a point to find the right people to help me learn how to invest my money, make sure I'm setting myself up for the future, learning how to budget. These are all things that are super important and that we should all be teaching children from the time they are in preschool and elementary school. 100% agree. There is a stat out there that uh, one of my previous podcast guests, Tori Dunlap, who is the founder of her first 100K, shared uh, a while back. And apparently a person's relationship with money is cemented as early as age seven. Like I believe that. it. And I mean, I know Molly is not there yet, but she's slowly but surely getting yeah. there, right? So I think as family and friends, and especially as parents, you have such a big responsibility to be a great role model for your children if you end up having children, right? Like I remember one of my first memories that I have with money was my dad telling me how important it is to save and invest for retirement. That's probably mm -hmm. the earliest money memory I, I have. And I might have been seven, I might have been five, I might have been 12. I don't remember. 
But not everyone has that. And similar to you, I was just in high school, college, spending money on like clothing and things that didn't necessarily add a whole lot of value to my life. Having moved over to the U.S. from from abroad to to attend college in, in the States, I didn't even know the importance of credit cards and establishing mm-hmm. credit because in Germany, where I'm from, that's just not a thing. And at the same time, I now looking back when I reflect on my time in college, my male peers would already invest in the stock market. Some of them would not even trade, but actually mine Bitcoin. That was like mm-hmm. early in the days, mm-hmm. like 14, 2015. Some of them were interning with like Robin Hood over the summer, right? So that was happening. But simultaneously, I didn't have a single conversation with with one of my girlfriends about anything money related beyond, okay, let's go on this spring break trip together. And that was really, really mind blowing to me. And then I made a promise to myself when I started my first job in corporate that I would use that pivotal moment in time as a reset and start educating Mm -hmm. myself proactively on all things. And now I help thousands of women worldwide do the same, start investing. And over time, my relationship with money has also changed quite a bit because, again, growing up, we're oftentimes being told that talking about money is impolite. But that's just so wrong because men are having conversations about money, closed doors all the damn time in boardrooms, on the golf course, wherever. Right. And all of a sudden, when women start talking about money and demanding to be paid for, let's say, speaking engagements or whatever it might be. All of a sudden, we're being perceived as greedy, and that just doesn't sit right with me. And the podcast is normalizing having conversations about money and wealth building. It's so important. I ended up investing in an investing app. It's called Public. It's a really great app, especially if you want to like learn about investing because it makes it really simple and easy to set up an account and learn about the different stocks or asset classes that you want to invest in. And now they've expanded so much on that app as well. You can invest in treasury bonds and it's really simple and easy to use. And I ended up investing in that app and now I invest using that app. It's similar to some of the other apps that are out there, but a lot better in my opinion. But it's a great first app to download and like play around on there just to learn. And you can read up on, you know, every single different type of investment and people are sharing information on it. It's awesome. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. We're always about sharing very tangible advice. So we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes for our audience members to check out. That's great to hear. Maybe one follow up question for you, Steph. Could you talk maybe a little bit more about that shift from working corporate first, the first couple of years of your career, and then becoming a business owner. And I'm assuming that you are making a lot more money now as your own boss than you were back in corporate. How have you been able to leverage your financial resource to really build a life that is in true alignment with your values and your passions? Absolutely. And I am now, but Courtney and I were not in the early days. So when Courtney and I started our business and left our corporate jobs, of course, it took a few years for us to be able to, you know, make as much as we were making in corporates. We essentially invested in ourselves and in our future by not making as much initially when we started our business because we took a big risk by leaving our corporate jobs. But eventually, it was very important for us to be able to set ourselves up financially for success and not just us, but our employees too. So one of the things that we did was we have always worked with PEOs, which essentially when you have a smaller business, 
you can essentially get the benefits like you work for a big company, but even with your business. So we use ADP, their PEO, and you're able to get their 401k platform through ADP. So then myself and Courtney and all of our employees are able to be investing into their 401k while they're employees of a smaller company. So that's something that was really important to us. It's how do we set ourselves up financially and also set up our employees financially for success using the the tools and resources that that are out there and available. And then for me personally, it's just been about saving and budgeting. And it's not always easy. My husband and I also made the decision after we had my daughter that he was going to stay home with Molly and take care of her. So we're on a one income family over here. So I need to be sure that we're building these scalable businesses that my family can afford to live and afford to see for the future as well. So I think when you're in corporate, you have your salary. And that's really it. You can set yourself up to hopefully get raises each year, but you're kind of maxed out in terms of how much you can make unless you're in a sales role, of course. But when you have your own business, the bigger you build your business, the more potential there is to make more money. Now, I caveat that with saying the bigger you build your business, the more people you need to hire or freelancers you need to bring on and expenses do become higher. But you can learn ways to be able to keep expenses down and keep profitability up, but it's not always easy. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. And I 100% agree with what you just pointed out there. I think a W-2, so a corporate job, can, again, can be great. I have zero regrets about having started my career in corporate. I've learned a lot. The first couple of years, my learning curve was really steep, gotten promoted a bunch of times. I think I have 5x my salary over the past five years or so, which is great. But inevitably, there will be a pay ceiling unless I try to work myself up to C-suite in a Fortune 500 company, which if you'd asked me a couple of years ago, that might have been my ambition, but it has changed over time. So I love bringing on guests who talk about that transition specifically because I know that a lot of our audience members are also in a position where most of them still work in corporate, but some of them have been thinking about starting something on the side or have had a side hustle for some time now. Some of them recently shifted to becoming full-time solo entrepreneurs. So having someone like you who, who's been there, done that, and has come out stronger and is now able to support her entire family as a result of taking that intelligent risk many years ago is very inspiring and hopefully a call to action for some of our audience members. Oh, good. It is possible, but make sure you have a community and support and resources around you to help you because it's definitely not easy and, and it's scary, but it can be done. Amazing. Well, Stephanie, I have one final question for you. I want you to imagine that you have the power to enact a single universally binding law that every organization must obey, which is specifically designed to uplift women's economic status. What law would that be? Okay, so this would actually be for insurance companies. They would be required to pay for fertility treatments and IVF, IUI. Everything related to fertility has to be covered without having to go through all of these hoops first to get coverage because I see so many women that are desperate to want to have a family and they are getting jobs at 
Starbucks who covers for fertility treatments because their insurance doesn't cover it. So I would say for all insurance companies to be able to provide all the fertility coverage that is necessary for women because otherwise it can be so expensive for fertility treatments. And even for myself, when I was going through things, I had some fertility coverage through insurance, but not full fertility coverage. We spent so much money out of pocket. And that could, one, that can bankrupt a woman. And two, many can't afford that. So then they can't have the family that they so want. So that would be the law that I would enact. I love that. I think it's it's very timely. I just read an article in the Washington Post uh, this morning about uh, a woman doing egg freezing. So I, I'm just like so glad going back to the whole notion of destigmatizing uh, topics that were historically considered a taboo. I see like finally we're starting to talk about fertility, infertility, miscarriages, menopause, all of that, like women's reproductive health as a whole. It's about time. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for having joined me on the show today. This was such a wonderful conversation. Again, thank you so much for showing up as your most authentic self. As always, you radiate just this very special energy. And I cannot wait for our audience members to have the chance to listen to the conversation. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And for everyone listening, feel free to reach out to me anytime on LinkedIn or Instagram or email if you have any questions or need anything at all. I'm just a DM or message away. Highly recommend following her on Instagram. She posts pictures of beautiful and adorable daughter like almost every day. And it just like warms my heart all the time. So definitely make sure to follow Stephanie, follow Entrepreneurista, subscribe to the Entrepreneurista podcast, and maybe even check out the Entrepreneurista League, which is a membership community that I myself recently joined. I'm very excited about I'll be right here. Hey there, not so fast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you've listened in from today. Reviews are a podcaster's most important currency. It helps me create visibility for the incredible women who join me on this show. And if you've made it this far, I'd like to believe that supporting women is one of your favorite pastimes. If you already left a review, first of all, thank you, but why not share this episode with a friend or post it to your Instagram story? Thank you for helping me on my mission to make women rich by making women rich.